You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 325 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. We've got a great episode uh, this week with a uh, super amazing uh, live events and constant photo- uh, concert photographer, Brian Friedman. And uh, really, the, all the tips that he gives us can be used for uh, a lot of um, PR photography, event photography, concert photography. You want to capture your tips uh, your kids uh so lots of great tips but val before we start mm-hmm. i saw a, some fantastic ideas in an article and i put a link to the article in the show notes if you want to check that out at ginamilitia.com but um just some ideas that uh, are really cool like uh there was one which uh so often we think of when we're photographing things the literal translation of like, let's say, how would you photograph five generations of women, Val? You'd have uh, great grandma next to, to grandma other. next to, ma- <laughs> you know, you'd have them all there. Well, here's a really cool idea. What the, what the photographer has done is, is he's asked everyone to put their hands on the table. So we've got baby's little hand ah, holding onto mummy's finger. Clever. Then we've got like grandma, great grandma. How many? It was like baby, mum grandma great grandma great great grandma and you can see how the different hands of you know are aging and it's just like in one glance such a beautiful photo so think of these like really clever things and also playing the long game I did this with my kids when they went off to school so the first day of school I photographed them on a particular bench in the house in their in their their little uh, school uniform and then uh, when they they did their last day of school uh, I also did a shot this is playing the long game but really effective Mm -hmm. and what you can also offer to your clients if they're asking for particular family portraits then why not ask them for have you got a shot of you and the kids when you were both very little let's recreate that shot now so I see a lot of that done and it's so powerful when you put the two images next to each other this was then this is now so there's a lot of those sorts of images here one that I absolutely adore Val is um, Mm -hmm. a 71 year old woman on her um I'm not sure if it's a it's a retro motorbike. I'm not sure what the brand is. Someone will tell me, but it's in the same front of the same house, same bike. 71 years later so she's photographed as a girl on the motorbike and then as a you know an older woman probably you know maybe 90 year old by the looks of it. How powerful is that? Yeah, incredible. It's amazing. Fantastic. I love it. Uh, uh, So another continuing on with these before and after or comparison shots is uh, if you've got a drone or you um, have access to a high building where you can see uh, how uh, how a – 
your world looks from the sky. Uh, someone has taken a photo of a city in daylight and compared it to the exactly the same frame, but it's taken at night. So you can see how different a city looks from the air. So these make for powerful uh, images and just really easy. And so like food photographers, uh, here's another one in one image to show the process of uh, making and baking a croissant. So what the person's done is photograph the croissant as pastry before it goes into the oven and then photograph the final product next to it. So isn't that cool that you can see the before Love and it. after? It's just a great way to visually explain the shot. Now, one that I love uh, is a photographer uh, did a story. It was like this was done for People magazine where they found couples who met at Woodstock and then photographed them 50 years later and in the same pose wearing the exact same clothes. So there is a, a young couple uh, cuddling at Woodstock and then the photographer has gone back and done them in the same pose with the same blanket so you can actually find you know the clients that you that, that want the family portrait or something like that put a little twist on it and say hey have you got a shot of when you first met and we actually one of um uh, danny in the gold community did that where she had a photo of her and her partner like years and years and years ago when they were very young they first met they're sitting at a table and what she did is she comped the image and she put us the couple themselves in today sitting around the table with their younger selves it's so cool uh so you know there's just some ideas that you can do think differently uh if you're a pet photographer get the get the puppy shot so uh, one photographer has done the puppy in a, a man's boot and the puppy fits inside the boot and then three years later the dog is fully grown and the dog's got his foot in the boot so just to show the difference in in how they grow these it's not about just capturing the image in the time but think long term and work on these these are lots of projects that you can have on the go at the same time and uh, just a few uh, different ideas there so there's a link in the show notes if you want to have a look at all the images I've also put put them in the show notes as well brilliant love them okay and you'll find the show notes at ginamilitia.com um some fantastic uh ideas in there all right so let's move on to our guest this week who is it gina so brian friedman is a, a photographer uh, who who does uh specializes in shooting uh like bands and events like big names so i think we've got miley cyrus on the cover for this uh the podcast artwork so that's the sort of the level that he shoots at i actually shot uh, uh did this interview at the start of the year pre-covid so uh if it sounds like uh, we don't have a care in the world that's why <laughs> so um but he started out his story is fantastic and he gives so, so many great tips so he started out as a road manager uh for a jazz drummer and then like you just hear the way that he connects with people and gets one break and the next and uh you know you have to be a certain kind of person it's a personality thing as well as a skill thing to work with bands on the road and to photograph events and so you need these uh, uh people skills so his his clients include like iheart radio clear channel communications nbc cbs 20th century foss 
uh, Fox, comedians Brian Reagan and Bill Burr, one of my favorite comedians. Um, mm. And uh, like, and he's also his work has appeared in USA Today, People, The Economist, uh, just to name a few. And he's had the honor of photographing uh, people like Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, and um, and uh, he's had spreads everywhere. So. In this episode, he walks us through uh, like a typical shoot and he shares his thought process, the importance of bringing the right energy to the shoot, how he developed a style, the importance of playing a long game. We just talked about this earlier and Mm. the best shooting angles for uh, concerts and events, his gear, his backup protocol. And uh, at the end of the shoot, this is fantastic, this advice he gives us. He walks us through a large group shoot shot um and uh with 500 plus people so he talks us through that which is i think is really handy so shall we have a listen absolutely brian friedman welcome to the show how are you going great thanks so much for having me i'm very excited to chat to you today before we start one question i always ask my guests is where in the world are you uh i am in las vegas nevada Fantastic. Such a beautiful location because you've got the the gorgeous uh, city of uh, Vegas. And, but then within, it's like, how long does it take? It's a 20-minute drive and you're in the desert, right? Yeah, for yes, in, in almost either direction. You have, there's also Red Rock um, Canyon out here, which is really beautiful. And that's only literally about 30 minutes from the Strip. Um, it's beautiful. We love I love living here. I, I, we just moved here, like not really just, but two and a half years ago. Um, I'm a New Yorker and, wow. uh, my wife and I, not one day, but we're kind of always leading up to it. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna move to a warmer climate. We're kind of over New York and we just said, you know, screw it, let's do it. So about two and a half years ago, we moved out here from New York, um, having only spent our, our entire life in New York. And uh, we love it here. It's beautiful. What do you miss most about New York? My friends. Yeah. Um, I miss jazz clubs Hmm. because I'm a real jazz lover. Um, And I, yeah, I think really honestly my friends and jazz. (laughs) So on the jazz note, that's how you broke into photographing music. So um, do you want to tell us about that? So you were working... um, for a, a legendary jazz drummer, Roy Haynes, uh, I had to Google that because uh, so, cool. I'm not big on <laughs> jazz. But um, how was that? Like, how how did that? So you started. You, you're working as a road manager. What does a road manager do? What's your job as a road manager? Yeah. Um, my. I mean, I was. It was. 97. So mm. I was like 20, 21 mm. at the time. Um, basically, you got to schlep everybody's gear all yeah. over the place. Yeah. That's, you know, that's job number one. And and so Roy being a drummer, um, and I'm a drummer as well. Oh, wow. Man, what a what a what what a combination of ingredients that that led me to secure that that gig, which was like, crazy for me to just even know or even meet or be in the presence of someone like Roy, let alone being offered a job um, to travel with him. And yeah. and so um, I would basically, I'd, I'd meet Roy at his house. I'll, I'll give you the Cliffs notes. I would re- meet him at his house, get his, get his drums in the car, go to the airport, 
you know, you basically traveled with him and I would set up his, his gear and make sure the hotel was all okay and make sure the communication between the band and the promoter is going well and like stuff like that, you know, but it was fun. I was 21, you know, flying to various cities in the country with, with this jazz drummer. It was amazing. Oh, it would have been extraordinary experience. It was unbelievable. Like it was, I, I still can't believe. And, and, you know, when I tell people now, they're just, who get it and understand what Roy is, they're like, man, you did that. Yeah. It's, it was a cool thing. It was a very, very cool thing. I mean, it was like something that I've kind of, you know, just to go one step backwards, I was really interested in music and I started to promote jazz um, on campus at my university. And that led me to sort of just kind of go into that world a little bit and seek out opportunities. And granted, you know, New York City, I'm from New York, I was going to school in upstate New York. Um, So I would then come home, I was living on Long Island with my parents and, you know, a stone throw away from New York City, I had it all right there. Yeah. So I managed to, um, to land that that job. And it was amazing. And what the 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 way that photography had come into it was really probably two, two parts. Um, One, was I remember my dad giving me um, a camera that was passed down from my uncle who was into photography. It was a Minolta Maxim. Right. It was a, you know, obviously a film camera, yeah. but it was you know an auto-advanced film camera with a very basic kit lens. And um, I had met the university photographer when I was going to school who really opened my mind up to and really inspired me to to take advantage of the access that I had, yeah. you know, he basically said to me, you have access, use it. And so when the band was on stage and my job was essentially on pause for a minute, you know, once I knew that everything was going okay, yeah. I just went out and took pictures. I just went out and took pictures and, you know, no one else. I mean, again, this is 97. So yeah. there was other than there being like a press photographer and it was always a, you know, a press photographer, a, a festival photographer. It was just me. Yeah. You know, taking pictures. So um, I would then, you know, then I came home and um, would develop, you know, get the film developed and, and do all that stuff. And, you know, it just sort of opened, really opened my eyes to mostly just live performance photography. Um, and you think of shooting jazz musicians. I mean, there's there's definitely something there. You have to there's so much mood that is required mm. to that you have to convey in your photos um, because, you know, it's it's usually pretty it's lit very barely. It's yeah. not a very normally high production value concert like you would go to. So you have to do a lot with a little. Yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, and, and you may not you're doing your best at the time to do so, even if you don't yet have that vocabulary. You're still looking for stuff, and part of it would would come in the moment. And then I always realized that I always said it was it's half what you shoot and it's half what you show. And so part of my creative process was responding like we all do. But if I really responded to an image when I got it back, I mean, and you would you would have to send the film out, you would wait, or or maybe there was at that point there were probably sixty minute photo mats. But either way, you went days without seeing what yeah. you had at least. <laughs> And if I responded to a certain image, that started to craft my style, my photographic style. And then I just got, you just get better at it because you're able to see in camera what's going to make a better image and almost predict how you're going to feel about it when you actually get the print back. We're all doing that. And yes. I think 
you only see that in hindsight. You don't necessarily see that at the time. Now I see it very, very clearly in hindsight that that was what I was doing and I was developing my own style in doing so. So that kind of, you know, happened almost unexpectedly to me in my early 20s. And then I didn't really, it went dormant for a little while. I went in a totally different direction. I wanted a job in the music industry. I could not find a job in the music industry, which was really disappointing. Um, and then one day I got a phone call. I'll save the the, the details of it um, because it's also just kind of luck and chance and just, just a confluence of things happening. But I wound up going to work for a comedy management company. Right. And Gina, I know that you're really into comedy. Yes. I know that you love comedians. And, and as you've said before, you love the comedic process. Yes. So I wound up getting incredibly lucky. I mean, comedy wasn't even really like something that I was that into, but I, I wound up landing a job working for some serious comedians such as Ray Romano. Unbelievable. Um, and Robert Klein yeah. and David Brenner and Dick Cavett and Brian Regan and all these like unbelievable comedians, which I don't really know that I was stepping into that kind of like greatness because I didn't really understand it. But it soon came, you know, into vision that I had landed a pretty good job for someone in his 20s wanting to get into the entertainment industry. So I did that for, I'll, I'll let you get your question in, but like just to show you the, the dormancy there, like I didn't really, I kind of stopped taking pictures seriously for like four or five years after the tour experience with Roy right. Haynes, just because I was focusing now on something different. So anyway, I don't know if you're going to toss a question in there, but to to continue with my story, because it, it, it absolutely relates, is I then went and started shooting comedians because I had that access and yep. um, that interest was definitely there. And it was kind of akin to shooting jazz because if you really think about it, like there's not that much, you know, you have a comedian on a stage with yep. a microphone. That's it. That's all that's there. It is also, low production value as well with the, in terms of the lighting. It's usually a, a, a spotlight on them, a, a dark yes. stage, and they're usually they're, they're often smaller venues. I don't know what, what size venues or was it a variety of venues? It was a variety, yeah. Yep. But sure, it's not a very conducive environment in a way because you're blocking people. Yep. you got to stay down. Then you're blocking servers that yes. need to get to tables. It's a very, it's like a battle, yeah. honestly, get, you know, but it's like you have to come back with something compelling. Yeah. And if you have enough time, you know, I mean, we're not, we're in a situation here where I probably had the whole set, yes. you know, it wasn't like a three song limit when I shoot certain bands. Like I probably had the whole set. I can find corners and angles and, and, you know, poles that would block me like that. I wasn't disturbing the patrons and you you force yourself to find something and bring something back that's compelling that is going to tell the story. And I mean, for me, some of the comedians were also, you know, really well known too. So that was exciting for me. I'm yeah. like, I have a chance now to shoot Brian Regan in a club or, you know, Ray in a club or Amy Schumer yeah. in a club or, you know, I mean, I could go on Tracy Morgan, you know, yeah. whoever. You know, I'm trying to think of big TV stars that I've photographed. 
So it, it, it makes you have your act together. Cause yeah. I'm kind of like, man, like that's, you know, let's just say Ray, that's freaking Ray Romano yeah, he's huge. in front of me. He's at the time it was, that the was biggest the peak of his fame, on, right? He would have yeah. been, yeah. One of the biggest he, in the world for sure. He was biggest star on television yeah. at that time. And I'm standing there with my camera. And in fact, when the show came to a close in 05, no, to, yes, in 05, I was invited to the set and allowed to take pictures of the taping during the taping. That's amazing. So if you go to some of my images on my portfolio, like that is a how the heck did I get here moment as far as like, Everything is concerned. I mean, I'm standing on the stage right in front of the cast on their final curtain call, their bow. It was yeah. like, I, I get jazzed up just thinking about it because yeah. I do, it does come down to like, how the heck did I get here with permission with my camera? I, I so, think I know, Brian. So, like, you're being very humble here, but I think, like, tracing back, let's go back to the start in the jazz club, uh, doing those um, uh, first uh, uh, early p portraits. Um, you had a chance to. That was sort of your apprenticeship. So there was nothing. There were very low stakes. You were there like a kid, yeah. just playing with your camera. But I'm I'm sure you were uh, looking at every role that you took, and then you know saying, well, yeah, well, this, this, this doesn't look great. Maybe I should change it up a bit. And so you're, you're critiquing your own work as you go and then developing a style. And so when right. you land this gig as uh, shooting uh, comedians, there is no way that Ray Romano is going to invite you on set uh, if you uh, hadn't done a good job and weren't um, the kind of person that he wanted to have around. So, like, you know, let's talk about the importance of, you know, how you how you are behaving, how you present to these people, how um, you, you try not to be – because those photographers that are annoying and that are pestering yeah. or they're, they're, I've seen photographers uh, during yeah. a show that are just so annoying because they'll, they'll – they'll steal the attention from the comedian or they'll walk in front of people or they have no regard for the audience. And so, you know, you, you, were, you were walking us through those early shoots saying that, you know, you're looking for poles to, to position yourself between. You're aware of the audience and you're aware it's like what, those intimate settings where comedians are performing, it's like you, you could hear a pin drop or someone, you know, and that's going to, yeah. if you distract the comedian, because, yeah. you know, most people yeah. look at a comedian when they're performing this, like it looks like they're making it up as they go along, the great ones. But it's all That's stuff right. that they've rehearsed and rehearsed right. and rehearsed. And so, you know, the wrong move from you, and you can completely throw them off off their game. And so you'll yep. never be invited back. So I think, you know, you Such did everything, must question. have done everything right. So, how important is it during those shoots when you're meeting? Um, the talent and it doesn't matter if it's uh, you know Ray Romano or Ray Smith who's doing his right. first gig uh, right. the, the approach is still the same so what is it that you're doing um, when you arrive at the venue how are you putting the comedian at ease or any of the performers w what's your process there yeah I mean that is such a I'm such an amazing question because I think it's like 75 percent of yes. the success mm. um I, I, you know, in the phrasing of the question, I mean, you had me thinking of like, if I could really 
really just sum it up really succinctly. You got to be cool. Mm. You got to be cool. And by that, I mean, like you, you want, you, you'll never, you don't ask for a selfie like no. ever. No. Okay. Um, like if I, if I can give you broad strokes, you know, uh, you, you have to just be cool and you have to be respectful of the, like you would say, the intimacy, the sensitivity, the privacy of it. Um, you keep a low profile. Like one of the little things that I do now, which I love, like one of my straps is the, I, I have like the moneymaker strap. And so the cameras hang down on my sides. Right. And that's very disarming. And I want that, I want someone to be completely disarmed when they, when they first see me or greet me or meet me. Yeah. So the disarming is either cameras totally away yeah. um, or cameras like down by their side that I just stood up in my office and just like where you're just clearly not even fumbling for them. You're not even touching them. Yeah. And then always a smile. Like you always want to be cool. You don't want to be over anxious. Yeah. You know, that sets the tone. Yes. Um, I'll, I'll give you, I, I'm going to give you two examples where I had to be so cool and th these two came relatively recently, um, relatively probably within the last three or four years. I was I was brought down to Florida to photograph Drake, yeah. and I photographed Drake for the production company and the lighting designer because they had this crazy lighting thing, which you see a, a lot more now, where it's almost like they have these globes, like maybe a hundred or two hundred globes that are hanging in the in the in the yeah. ceiling and they're brought up and down in waves and they make these art forms and so this was like one of the first tours where they were doing this so somebody brought me down to shoot drake yeah so uh, it was it was one of these situations where they i was allowed to shoot the first three songs um and uh from the pit yep and then i would re which is really cool yeah because that is part of the lighting you want to just you want to be able to get what it looks like from that angle but they're really looking for wide shots so right. sometimes i get brought in i mean i'll be brought into gigs and i'll just shoot you know wide angle stuff literally from the central point in the sound booth and that's the job right which is fine like, yeah. it's fine because they want these light looks so in this situation i come and i'm standing in the lighting booth now dead center doing my thing and it was right at the time that drake and rihanna had like a very brief dating stint right okay so you're at a drake concert it is bumping place is going crazy everyone's going nuts i literally turn over and standing right next to me is rihanna right and i'm saying to myself like oh my god like i'm 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 shaking because I realized, like, okay, I am being tested right now. Because there is, no, if if I had even turned to her with my camera, mm. turned to her, somebody would have probably dragged me out of that venue. Because mm. man, would that have broken a degree of of trust that was just implied. Even though I would have made such an amazing and exclusive picture yes. of her, that would have been a hot picture of her at the Drake concert. And it's like, no, I literally took one look at her, looked back, composed myself, you know, because I'm kind of like, that's Rihanna in general, that is Rihanna, and just kept 
my my camera just right on the stage. And that was one of the times recently where you just had to be cool. And I know that maybe it went unnoticed because it was expected of me. Yes. But that's better than had I caused an issue there while the concert was going on and, and made my client look terrible, made me look terrible, made Rihanna feel uncomfortable. Like that could have been a disaster in that moment. And so I had to just deal with the fact that it may have been a missed opportunity, but that was not what I was there for. And so if anything, it built the trust with that lighting designer to know that he could have his back turned on me and I'd be standing next to Rihanna and I wouldn't take a picture. Yeah. So that's one story. The second story was actually I was backstage and I don't really, I never get to tell these stories. <laughs> People like, you know, it was, um, you know, Jerry Jonas. Are you yes. friends with yeah. Jerry? Uh, Jerry? We interviewed his uh, brother recently on the show as well. Yeah. yeah. Jerry said to me, I, I did a talk for Nikon recently, which mm. I think you know, I'd love for you or maybe the viewers to, to see it. But Jerry was there in the front row and said to me, he made a really nice compliment. And he's like, you know, man, it's like you got up there and you didn't say, oh, I was hanging backstage with so-and-so. I don't really tell these stories. Yeah. Like it's, it almost feels weird for me to tell yeah. these stories because I don't want to name drop or make it seem like that whatsoever. I'm, you got to understand, I'm freaking out in these situations. Yeah. I'm not blowing them off as like, oh, this is what, you know, check out my office for the day. No, I'm freaking out. Yeah. So the second time was I recently also, um, there was a Comedy Central taping. You would appreciate this. There was a, there was a, no, it was a one hour special for a client of mine. Uh, Rory Albanese is his name. Okay. Right. He is very, very good friends with John Stewart, right. okay, from The Daily Show. And I went and shot both of his specials, and in between, I found myself in a hallway two steps up from Rory and John meeting one another in the hallway backstage in between this guy's one-hour taping. Right. This is a very huge moment huge moment for rory huge and so um john and i'm geared up man i'm like i'm i'm just running i like it was just random yeah and so everyone in the hallway just kind of stopped like it was it was just like kind of like just like the screech <laughs> moment and i was also with the publicist so i was like i'm gonna play the role of just hanging with the publicist and just be a fly on the wall for this and not shoot and not do anything. And I remember just watching John give him advice on his set and me literally standing still, yes. like still, still, still not making a peep, not laughing, not reacting, just taking in that I was able to observe this moment for me as Brian and not do a thing about it. And so and, and Michael, my friend who was the publicist, later on said to me, yeah, man, he's like, that was, you, you know, like nonchalantly, because to me it was a big deal to not shoot that. Yeah. But he was nonchalantly, he was like, hey, man, by the way, thanks for not uh, taking pictures back there. He's like, you would have, you know, you would have broken the, the moment. And I'm like, yeah, I was like, that's why I didn't. Like, I'm not going to screw this up for him, like you had just said. So 
I hope those two examples are like they, real world situations. You they know? are. They're fantastic examples, and um, you know, not not everyone thinks like that. And I think it's important as photographers um, who are growing their business to remember that it's about playing the long game, not trying to um, you know cash in on short term gains. And you know, yep. I've had uh, hundreds of similar situations and exactly the same thought process where you know. Brian, we see things, you know, and I'm sure we could have a, a conversation off air about all the we, things that we see. And we've, you know, yeah. I think like like me, we look away because, you know, it's like, you know, you look, you see it happening out of the corner of your eye and you go, wow, this is a, you know, a $50,000 photo that I'm passing up on because <laughs> yeah, if you were yeah. to take that shot, then suddenly uh, no one can trust you anymore. You're going to That's become right. that photographer, that annoying. That's photographer right. and so right. it is so important to um, develop that trust and you know people want to work with people that they uh, know like and trust and I think in this industry and it doesn't matter if it's uh, you know it, it could be uh, a rock star in the music industry but there's also rock stars in in the business industry in, in business, the fashion yeah. industry and yeah. it's uh, all these rules yeah. apply to them as well so that the, if so if they can um, feel like they can relax around you and you, you like photographers are responsible you set the entire tone for the rest of the day so if you're that annoying photographer that's click 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 getting in everyone's way only caring about themselves give me a i need a, so, a selfie for my instagram stories forget then it you're not going to last long you're just no, not, not. going to last long at all no. so i think no. that is so important yeah, you, you've got to be you, – you, you said it best about the long game. You know, you've got to really be thinking about that because it does become a reality once you start to build a career for yourself. You're going to rely on that someone may come out from left field and call you for something because they had a great uh, experience with you, even if it's five, ten years ago. I still yes, have that yes, happen. Yes. I'm still having that happen, and it's always shocking to me. And then my wife is like, why is that shocking to you? She's like, because you don't, you know, she's like, you work on your relationships, that you yeah. would even be in touch with that person. So, yeah, yeah the relationship thing is so major. Um, you know, I, I, I want to slip in one more. Can I slip in one more of example of this? It's yeah. a music example because it's killing me. But it's, but, but, it, but because it's, it, it's just, I, the, you had said about the trust, I was, um, Ironically, I was in Miami for, uh, with Camila Cabello yeah. um, over the summer, and they hired me yeah. to come down. That was a big deal for me. Anytime an artist is going to put you on a plane to go shoot them, that's an enormous deal. That mm -hmm. is like career goal stuff. So um, on that particular job, and I've photographed Camila you know, dozens of times on these iHeartRadio shows that I've, that I've been shooting for years. Um, but this time, um, she wanted to, well, obviously I turned over my images to them and her manager was like, you know, can you just, you could post whatever she posts, you can post. Right. And I was like, yeah, no problem. And sure. So she went through them. She picked out a whole bunch, but she picked out a different photo that I had taken of her that in my opinion is the best photo that I've ever taken of Camila. And it is sitting on my computer. Beautiful. And. Um, if she doesn't post it, I've got to, I've just got to eat that one. You know, yeah. I've just got to like, it's, it's definitely a really great 
I think it's a great example. It has never been posted anywhere. It's never been published anywhere. I even made sure she saw it again. <laughs> and nothing really came of it. And so I've just got to sit on that one. Yeah. And, it, and it, it hurts. It definitely is. A, it, that stings. That one yeah. stings me because now you're talking about my creativity that is already there. And for some reason, she just doesn't like it for yeah. some reason. And, you know, I'm sitting on it one day, maybe, man, I will scream to the heavens if, if I'm able to post this. I think one of the things, too, like a like a quick piece of advice that I that I that I usually go by, too, is like if 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 you're unsure, first of all, if you're unsure, if you can post, you should ask. Yes. Don't assume anything. And if you don't get an answer, what I would do, in, even with brands that I work with, is if they've posted a particular image, like I, maybe I'm in the wrong here, but I doubt that they would say anything or that it would look poorly if I then posted that same image. Yep. You know, yep. it's almost as though they pre-approved it. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I, I'm uh, the jury's out on that, but usually that's my practice if i have to post if i feel like i have to post something i'll look and i'll see if a client or a brand has posted it and then i'll post it or I'll repost what they posted yeah i think that's great advice um i just want to go back um to uh developing um this style uh and and what is like when you were working out um how to shoot uh, the comedians and also when you're working with Roy, how important do you think it is to actually uh, be a fan or really understand um, the mechanics oh. of a show that you're shooting? Because I think if you're, if you're not, there's kind of, um, you kind of need to force yourself to really get into it and be in that moment because otherwise the photos are detached. Does that make sense? Yeah, Definitely. Um, I, I, it's, again, it's such a great question. I, I don't always shoot jazz mm. because I'm so into it that I almost don't want to even be taking pictures. Interesting. Yeah. So, so recently, I can't even believe it. I'm going to say this again. It happened to be in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> January, this past January, I shot February. I, photographed my favorite jazz band on the planet right now they're called snarky puppy right they are an unbelievable band i have been approaching them for years and i got the opportunity they hired me to come down and photograph them for three nights in miami right and it was one of the first times that um I was sort of like in this position where I'm head over heels about the music in front of me, like top, 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 top of, of my list music. And I'm shooting it at the same time. Cause I'm not, I'm not necessarily like that with pop. It, pop I like pop. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not dissing it. Yeah. I don't love pop. Like I love jazz. And I realized in that moment and I said it to myself, and then I actually wrote the leader of this band, his name is Michael, and I told him that everything that I had done, shooting Demi Lovato, Lady Gaga, uh, Coldplay, Taylor Swift, J-Lo, all these people had just prepared me to photograph their band. Wow. And that's how I felt in that moment, because I, 
I learned how to do so much from all these either eccentric or somber pop acts or, you know, different varying degrees of music that it has only prepared me to photograph the music that I love the most to the best of my ability. And I literally realized in the middle of the second night that that was what was going on for me in that moment. And it's just like a wave of chills and emotion came over me. I felt so, I felt like all of that experience had just prepared me for, and in this moment it had prepared me for just this concert. And I loved that feeling. And so I think that there's a degree of how much love you have for a certain artist or act that needs to be there. But just like any good portrait or wedding photographer, you still need to be able to tell the story even if you're maybe not as engaged in that particular story, you still need to box it up and show it to your viewer in a way that represents what that, that story is or that event is or that musician is, is doing or saying. Okay. So, so just, me- Sorry, I'll just skip. Just, just on that, Brian. So, yeah. um, all right, so you're photographing this jazz band who you adore. So I guess when you're shooting that, you're, you're photographing it for yourself because you're the market, because the people that are going to look at these photos are going to adore the band as well, like you do. Yes. So so that's kind of to get those shots, you're seeing them constantly. So how is it different when you're, say, photographing a pop band who, who say, their demographic are, you know, tween girls, oh. right? So Ooh. it's very different. How do you put yourself uh, into – like, who were you shooting for then, and how how does the shoot differ in that regard? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you're shooting, I mean, it's a lot of it is is simply there's a different dynamic in. I'm I'm looking at some of the photos that are on my wall right now, which is yeah. why I named Demi and Gaga and J Lo. Those concerts, again, going back to what we were talking about too, are you know, very high production value concerts where there's costuming, there's pyro, you know, um, there's so not that there's not that kind of emotion in jazz, but there's not those visual elements are not there in your frame. Right. So um, I think you bring in the excitement of the concert or the excitement like for Demi when she hits a big note or she flings her hair. Um, like you want to bring in, you know, that Demi's a big singer. So you want to show her bigness as a singer in your frame. That to me, like JLo, unbelievable dancer. So you got to bring the hotness of the dancing more for me than the singing into that frame. Um, Sean Mendez, you want to bring, you know, his also, he could get, he, he will hit these, He'll, he'll scream. It'll happen really quickly. I mean, he's not a, he's not one to like give that raw scream emotion and hold it. That's like a one second thing. If you, if you weren't even bursting through that, you would not capture that. But if you get that and he looks good, that's a rare shot of him feeling really excited. And so you're going to put that picture out because again, you're, it's half what you shoot, half what you show. So part of the shoot is being able to like, push away the shots that may not be as relevant for your audience or as, or as emotional or, or as captivating for your audience. And I think the editing process is almost more important than that 
instance than when you're in the capture because again not every, people are not going to see everything that you're capturing they're going to see what you want them to see so maybe coming back ob objectively in like for me like metallica i'm not a really heavy metal guy that's yeah. not really my thing I, when i shot metallica um there's a lot of almost like that yelling look you know um yeah. james is their lead singer, right? James Hetfield, I believe. You're asking Forgive the wrong me. person, but yeah, yeah I mean, we'll go with James, I guess. Your yeah. listeners aren't, you know, <laughs> you know, popping off of their chairs that I don't know the answer to that. Um, but, like, I would go for that um, that iconic shot of him. Yes, I was right. I'm, I cheated and I went online right. and made sure so that I'm not, I don't get, like, hate mail. Um, <laughs> he has that look in his face. And I know to go for like it, country music too, you know, like I'm not really a country listener, but I know that if someone's a big guitar player, you want to show the guitar, you know, if someone, you know, if these guys are coming out in cowboy boots, like for those fit for the fans, like, let's say you said like a fan of Shawn Mendes, they want to see his good looks. Yep. You know what I mean? They want to see that fan, the girls are going to go crazy over how handsome he is. So yeah. you, you, you do revert to just acknowledging accepting and then striving towards perhaps what the fans are going to want to see from your photos and obviously you put a degree of you in there you know you're not gonna there's gonna be a mix of things like for me the development of my style came from realizing that i tended to shoot tight when i was starting out so like with an 80 to 200 i would shoot at 200 and i would fill the frame with a performer's face right why did that happen for me? Because I realized later on, and again, this comes in hindsight, and I even addressed this in the, that Nikon talk that I was talking about, was that I have an intimate relationship with music. So the intimacy for me and how I feel about music, whether I'm listening to it in the headphones or I'm a spectator at a concert, my eyes are glued on that performer, usually on the face. And I started to shoot like that, unbeknownst to me, that I was just naturally drawn to shooting that way. And that was ultimately what became my photographic style was shooting tight because it represented the intimacy that I had in my own life with music then being portrayed in my pictures. So some people shoot wide. Yep. Because they show the um, where the performer is in on you know in relation to the stage or the pyro or the screen whatever it is, I don't shoot that well that way. Like even if you were to say to me, Brian, you're only going out, you can only go out with a 35 or 24 to 70 on one body, mm. which I know guys that do that and kill it because they're like meant to shoot in that style. That's their style. I can't mimic that style. Um, so, and I didn't choose that. <laughs> like how, why did that happen? I don't know. I don't really know, but it was like, really like, like for me, it was like, I early on realized that I want to bring my viewer in closer than the naked eye could see. And so when you look at it and I, and I, and I had mentioned earlier or not, like I would go and I would shoot with a 200 to 400 millimeter lens at a concert in the pit. Which wow. is absurd, That's you know. So close. Um, it's absurd. <laughs> it's like you, I look like an idiot, like going into the pit. Now, this this had an A and a B stage, meaning there was like what you would call like a thrust or a runway right. that would oh, yeah. come out for the audience, and then there would be another little B stage, like a circle. So 
So for me, certainly at the iHeartRadio Music Festival concerts, if you ever see, you know, a wide shot, you'll see that that is the typical stage. So I was still technically in the pit, but I could be, you know, uh, yards away from the performer. So, but like I would, you know, bust out this 200 or 400 millimeter lens from a close distance. Yeah. And, um, I ultimately from myself, my own response to those images, and then from when I would put myself out there and take a chance on an image, um, I, I would listen and see what my friends were commenting on. And look, I always look to see, if I put an album out of pictures, I will always go to see, if I could see the people are engaged in it, I always look at the individual likes. Right. Because I kind of want to know what's landing. Yes. Like, because if I'm really, really into a picture and it doesn't land, you know, maybe I'll I'll stop pushing it so hard. Maybe it won't show up in a highlight or, or an Instagram post, you yeah. know, like, but I kind of want to know what's landing, you know, with with my viewer. And early on, I realized that I was my my vision of these artists and getting in real close was landing and 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 that people were really into it because they could see Chris Martin closer than their naked eye would be able to see and and that worked for them and it worked for me too and you're capturing the emotion and the little drops of uh, sweat and it's like you you want to make the viewer feel like they're they're there um, so yes. just on that um, when you're shooting a concert obviously there's the shots that you do that feel right for you so they're the tight shots but is there is there a brief from the client is there a, a set uh, shot list that you know in your head it's like okay so I'm going to get tight I'm going to get mid I'm going to get full I'm going to get wide I'm going to shoot through the crowd I'm going to do a back shot have you got a list that you check off like that or are you just shooting intuitively um the the list I mean it's funny you literally if there were to be a list you just kind of nailed it um as far as like having different um distances and widths because for for a client like iHeart, well, actually any client, if you really think about it, because if it like Camila, like I shot for Camila, I want her to see how big her audience was. Yeah. I don't want to just shoot Camila the whole night. I want her to see her fans. You got to tell the whole story. You're kind of getting pieces of, of everything. You're getting a little bit of everything. And then there's obviously a focus on what the main act is doing at the time. But yeah, like I would... Sometimes, like if I shoot, let's say I know I have in, an entire hour to shoot a band wherever I want to go, but I know that the first three songs, there's going to be 15 photographers in the pit. I yeah. will start at the last row in the arena and get my wides then and yeah. stay out of the pit. I, am I risking miss, missing a big moment? Sure. But chances are, would I know if there's a big moment that's going to happen that might disrail, you know, derail that plan? Sure, as well. Like if there's a big moment, like a collaboration is going to take place in the first three songs, which is generally not going to happen, I'll be in the pit. Yeah. But if there's nothing going on, I'm at the back of the arena with a, you know, 14 of 30, which is the new Z lens that I'm shooting. So that sounds like a weird focal range, but that, yeah. that's what it is on that lens. Yeah. And I'm getting my wides. Plus the crowd is really energized that time too. And it's going to look the most full. Nobody's going to have left. And then I work my way in and usually, and, and it forces me to, like I'm one of these people where if I don't have to shoot in the pit, I do not shoot in the pit. I shoot in the aisles. Right. I shoot, I take out my, a longer lens 
I like shooting in the aisles because I like to be, I don't like to be under the act. I, I like to be at eye level and I also like to get that, you know, um, that, that compression yeah. that you can get with a singer and a keyboard player, a singer and a guitarist that you're not going to get shooting in the pit. So um, I'll use those first three songs to, to answer your question. I'll try to take care of the business that I need to take care of up front and then go in and concentrate on the artist when I have the most freedom to move around in the pit. I, not every situation is like that. Not, I'm not, first of all, I'm on both sides of that. There are times where I'm in the pit for the first three songs and then there's someone who gets to shoot the rest of the show. So I'm on both sides of that. But if I have, if, if, if you're shooting just three songs, you're pretty much just going to shoot the band and whoever, maybe, maybe if they like the audience or they, anytime somebody says, Hey, everybody, put your phone lights on. You want to turn around to the crowd and you want to get a beautiful shot of that. Yes. You're going to get you're going to get a wide shot. And then you're also going to try to get, you know, maybe if you have a prime lens on or even if you have an 80 to 200, you're going to go at 2.8 and you're going to you're going to focus on one light in the middle of the in the middle of the room and and blur everything else out and, and, and do a shot, you know, shoot that that phone light three, four different ways. You're yes. going to do that three or four different ways. That's how I would think about that moment. And then you also would want to think about your audience like that too. You shoot it three or four different ways, and then same thing with the with the talent, three or four different ways. So you're really pumping through these shots in the first uh, three songs. When you're doing, when you've got an access all areas, and you know, I know we're talking about big names here, Brian, but for the listeners at home, you know, this applies to shooting your you know kids' uh, concert recital. You know, it's all this or photographing a play or photographing a comedian or photographing a speaker on stage. I think this applies, all these techniques apply and this thought process applies across the board. So when it's a a big event like this and you do have that access all areas, are you going to the rehearsal? Is that how you uh, plan out your, okay, so I know because – the other thing you've got to take into consideration when you're doing these big events, and this also applies at a lower sort of level corporate events, there's cameras, there's video cameras that you've got to be aware of. So are you pretty much choreographing the uh, entire shoot based on the rehearsals? Oh, so you're asking, so, I love these questions. I never get asked these questions. I don't <laughs> ever get a chance to talk about this stuff. Um, there's a lot to that. For one, I do want to go back just quickly and say that, like you said, yes, these are high production value events. I've not always shot these and nor do I shoot, shoot them all the time. Now I shoot all varying sizes of stuff. And when I started out, it was, I, I, I got to these places, I think because I did those, I covered those events as well as I did, no matter what the scale was. Because if you get someone who believes in you and they're looking at your work and, they, and they're trying to envision their event in your pictures, they're gonna, they'll pick up on the fact that you went to the back of the room. They'll pick up that you went outside and took a picture of the marquee or the yeah. line. Yes. Like they're going to see themselves in that. And I, I, you don't even have to tell me to do that. I know when to go. I know to go out. If I can, I won't risk you know, other things for it. But if I know I can get outside and get in quick, I'll absolutely will go get the line and the marquee. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you're definitely, um, if I have the opportunity to go to rehearsal, 
I absolutely will go to the rehearsal. Mm. I will leave my cameras um, where I will put them away. I'll oh, make so sure you're not shooting okay. the rehearsal to get your angles and you're not doing a practice a run? In, unless it's a dress rehearsal and mm. I have permission to shoot it, I will absolutely not even have my cameras out at rehearsal. Right. Because it really puts people on edge. Okay. Um, so, but will I walk around? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now a lot of the rehearsals now be, have become closed rehearsals mainly because you get idiots who go in there with their cell phone. Yeah. They'll keep a they'll keep a, a microphone on it. No leak yeah. audio. So yeah. a lot of these rehearsals have become closed rehearsals. You're not even allowed on your phones anymore. Like even when I go into rehearsal now, I don't even pick up my phone. I don't even take my phone out of my pocket yeah. to answer a text. Yeah. You don't even want to be on your phone. So um, I will. Yes, a hundred percent. You are one hundred percent right about the video cameras. We are second to those video cameras at any given time. I have been, I have been stepped on. I've been, I, I've tr- tripped over. Like I've, I've been knocked over. You know, even even with all the measures that I've taken to predict or stay out of their way, somehow, some way, every now and then, I will get in the way. I'm and glad you happened. say. I'm glad you said you're second to the video cameras because a lot of photographers don't realise that. And the quickest way to get booted off a set Big time. is to, you know, stand and block a camera. So being uh, video and... camera aware, that's I think that's one of the most important questions. If you want to look like you know what you're doing, the first question you need to ask is where are the cameras and where are they moving that's the other thing because it's like you know if you're standing there and and someone's about to run uh with yeah. the, the the steady cam uh they're going to yes. just run you over and, and absolutely you run know, you over and if yep. you're the one that causes them to trip and miss that um that tight shot that they should have got you're in big trouble. So I think you're in that, huge and, trouble. And this is again, I'm not ta- just talking about these big mega concerts. This happens at all corporate events. You know, they're oh, always getting man. filmed. Everything. So where are the cameras? And I, like one thing that I've done, I don't know if you do this as well, but often if it's a you know a smaller set, it might be a TV taping, a corporate or a concert. Is um, I might even base myself. Uh, next to the camera guy and just stay put because I know I'm safe. I'm not going to get on yes. camera and yes. I'm not going to get in anyone's way. So that's, you know, often a, uh-huh. a safe zone. And probably the the first people that you need to be making friends with, you know, that's the it. AD and then also the, the camera guy. Dave, that's I'm it. just going to stick to you if that's okay because I feel safe. I don't want to be the one that's, uh, you know, in half the you, show because you, you keep have, walking in front of the frame. <laughs> you, you nailed it. I mean, you, you, I can't even tell you, you nailed it. And it's oftentimes like, like Kay, I'll tell Kayla I'm nervous. She's like, what are you nervous for? Like, it's not even the show. I'm like, it's literally everything that's going on around me. Because even when I first got started doing it, it wasn't like that. Every, every concert has been made into a television show. A lot yes. of the stuff that I shoot, is a concert that is made into a television show. Yeah. So when I first got started, that was, I mean, you'd have a, you, you would have an iMac camera. You'd have, you would have, no one was moving around with a steady cam for sure yeah. at these concerts. So you would, you would make sure you were, you were out of the way, but you didn't have moving parts like you have now. Um, it, a lot of times I'm not going to lie. It takes the fun out of it because you really, you are, you're right. And, even even over in December, I've been doing this, you know, now I've been shooting concerts for 15 years. And right. even I didn't realize 
that I was getting in the way of a camera. And the reason was, was because I was shooting, I wasn't shooting in the pit. I was shooting in the, in the first or second row of an aisle because I wanted to, I didn't want to get stuck in the pit. And this one cameraman just kept going to the audience, kept turning around from the stage and basically pointing the camera in my direction. Right. And I just didn't see him. Oh. I literally just didn't see him. And it happened two or three times and he lost it on me, which was not cool. Yeah. And it wasn't cool because he could have just said, hey, man, can you just keep an eye out for me? Instead, he literally lost he lost it on me. Yeah. And this was an amazing opportunity for me that I won. I won. Why? Because I didn't step up to that degree of anger. I literally was just like, you know what, man? I'm sorry. And that was it. I completely diffused the situation. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you've got, it was a Madison Square Garden. It was literally at Madison Square Garden. You have 15, 20,000 people. You're at, you're, this, it's just, there's a lot of excitement and a lot going on and I didn't lose it. But I also didn't even see that guy coming and I have that much experience. So it's, 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 it can be painful at night because at times, because you, you, it, 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 it definitely an obstacle to you getting what you want artistically. Yeah. And that is really frustrating, but it causes, it's almost like when you work out, you know, you do functional training, like you've got to be able to like, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example where you're, you're doing something, you're almost, you have to try to be ambidextrous, even though you're not. Right. Here, you have to be concentrating on so much around you and still be so focused on the act at the same time. And you feel like you're being pulled apart because you can't really concentrate on one or the other, but you have to. Yes. So I hope that this, that explains you know, that, it that the right That makes way. perfect sense. It's like you, just, you need to be aware that, that you're not the only one there. Um, oh, and then, and it is a team and everyone is doing it like you don't want to be getting in the way of the lighting guy you don't want to be bumping the sound desk you certainly don't want to bump uh one of the video um you know no. uh recorders because yeah that, that they're not happy about that so um i think they're all really crucial things i just want to ask you quickly uh so uh what shoes do you wear when you're shooting these long days? Because I think that's really important. Because if you've got sore feet, you're what not going to get great shots. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wear, I usually wear, I try to find a pair of black Nikes or black um, New Balance. Yeah. Um, I never wear the same pair of sneakers uh, two days in a row. Right. I always rotate sneakers. Yeah. Um, I did make the mistake recently on this jazz thing of trying to be cool and wearing Converse All-Stars around the grounds, and I was an idiot for it, and because my feet hurt me, and I tried to be cool, and Kayla made fun of me, because she's, I'm like, babe, I try to be cool, and she's like, and you paid the price for it. they, they got no so support, you those shoes. Yeah, you don't want to wear Converse All-Stars. No. I also, no, I also stretch. I stretch my legs. I do like a two-minute I literally do. My friends have made, taken pictures of me, seeing me in the hallway, stretching my legs, mainly because it protects your back. It doesn't, if your legs are, are more nimble, then it doesn't shoot up and hurt your back on yeah. a long shoot. Yeah. So just like a simple three or four stretches, you know, nothing crazy. But I find that if my back, if, if my legs are loose and my back, then my back is in, intact, then I'm in, I'm in good shape in, in that, in that regard. Fantastic. 
All right, so a um, couple more questions. So just with uh, the gear, uh, so you've got two bodies, and they're, what's the strap that you use? So I use um, the Holdfast Moneymaker. Right. Um, it is a leather strap. I have two of them. I have one that is just for a single camera, and then I have one that is for two cameras. Yeah. Um, I, I use it for everything now, especially corporate events. It's amazing. You could wear it and then put a sport coat over it. Um, oh, cause it's like, that low slung. The, yeah. yeah. Right. Or you could put a sweater over it. And yeah. I, oh man, I have, I can tell you, I can probably tell you three or four stories right now, which I won't of when I've been able to disarm a client because like a, I, I met Lady Gaga a couple of weeks ago, photographing her trumpet player here in Las Vegas. Yeah. And I had the moneymaker on and I had a sweater on and the sweater was, it was a zip up sweater and I had it zipped up. No, excuse me. I had a sport coat on Yeah, because she noted, she told me that she told me that she likes my sport <laughs> coat, but I was able to talk to her with two cameras and two camera bodies hanging off of me because it was disarming because the jacket covered the straps. Yeah. Like yeah. like little things like that. And that's not even planned. That was just like bonus territory that that happened. And for me, like Gaga is every like Gaga is like snarky puppy. Yeah. Like Gaga, I would drop anything that I'm doing to go out with to go on tour with Gaga or to shoot Gaga. She's everything to me. Yeah, she so is this amazing. Second time, the second time I got to meet her and I was just like faint territory. That's how like much I love her. So the, the straps like made for a better experience for me and her because she clearly knew that I was not going to take her picture mm. in that. Clearly knew it. And no, I didn't ask to take a selfie with her even then. Yeah. No, even no. then because That's, it's kind yeah. of like maybe I'll have an opportunity with Brian, her trumpet player or not, but maybe she'll see me again. And she'll yeah. remember that I wasn't that guy who took a selfie with her. And Maybe she she'll hire me. Yeah, you never know. So with these straps, going back to yes. these straps, so they take yeah. uh, a lot of the weight off uh, the neck, oh, so they're distributing the yes. weight a lot better, so it's comfortable having the camera. So you kind of like um, uh, low-slung on your hips, the, the camera, and you can just pick them up and manoeuvre them easily. So you've got yes. those, so that's comfort. You've got the, yes. the good shoes that support you as well. Uh, and so two lenses on the camera, one long and one short, is that how you work? I work, yeah. I'll, I will have two lenses on, but I'll also have um, Think Tank. I use their belt and their pouches. Right. So and what you've got? So pouches. how much gear have you got uh, on your person? Because yeah, you're not in a position my... in an arena, or you know, any mm -hmm. again, any corporate shoot or any event, you kind of don't have time to be running back to a bag to Absolutely get a battery not. or things like that. So how much stuff are you carrying on your so person? Two cameras. Yep, yep. Two cameras, and then four lenses. Two of which are on the bodies, and two of which are in my pouches. Then I will have a, a third utility pouch which will have my earplugs which, uh, which i have yes. custom yeah. molded earplugs if anyone is starting to shoot concerts on the regular then it is a great investment to figure out a way to get ear molds done and getting um custom earplugs 
Um, I'll have like some in case I'm really hot. I'll have like a hand cloth, like a like you know, just like a work, like a little hand cloth. I forget, like a pack towel. Yes, you know what a pack towel yes. is, yes. like a quick dry cloth. Yes, they make they make one that's like a hand size that just like in case you get hot. I'll have that on me. I will definitely have probably a couple pieces of chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have some mints on yes. me, maybe a granola bar, depending upon yeah. how long the concert is. Yeah. And, and that's it. And I'll find, you know, if I can have stash a bottle of water, like for three songs, you don't need the, the utility stuff. But if I'm shoot iHeart concerts are four and five hours. Yeah. And so, so when, when you're doing four or five hour shoots, uh, are you uh, put it all on one card kind of a guy? Are you distributing through no. several cards? What's your yes. process there? I have a card runner usually yep. that is bringing cards, you know, because I'm shooting directly for iHeart. So they'll stop, their stuff will go out on social and all over the place. Um, so it is, it, is, it is a rapid sort of response situation. Yes. So I'll have a card runner who also can bring me stuff, a lens, a bottle of water. Yep. You know, maybe if, maybe, if I, maybe if I'm not having success with one lens and I want to bring a prime in, I'll tell my runner or my assistant, this is my 85. If I tell you to get my 85, this is where it is. But usually it's to bring cards. So I'll have about eight. Like, and having moved over to the Z series, I had to buy all the QXD cards or the XQD cards. Like, yeah. XQD. I always get that wrong. So I had to buy, I mean, in those cards, it's funny, you and I were talking about, like, those are, those start at like 150 bucks a piece. Yeah. So I bought a few cards. It's funny, we were having this conversation. I bought a few cards and I borrowed a few cards. Right. Because I need to go into these shows with like six or eight cards. And how, how uh, big are the cards that you're shooting to? It don't. It almost, for those 34, 32 or 64 gigs. You're not filling um, those up, are you? So how, 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 when not. do you stop no, shooting? No. How many frames in do you hand the card over? It will, what we'll do is we'll do it per act. So yeah. like, like those concerts, and these are specific, like you can almost think of any multi-artist concert. They'll have about eight artists. Yeah. So there will be... I will have my runner come to me at the end of each act and they'll bring it to the editing room and I will go on to a new card. And then ultimately those cards will start coming back to me and I will reformat them and start shooting over them again. Okay. So before you reformat, what's your protocol in the, in the download room? What, how many backups have you got? So obviously is there another assistant on a computer with, a couple 100%. of hard drives. Okay, so what's yeah. the protocol there? How how many copies are being made of these files before you're allowed to format that card? And what's um what's your protocol to ensure that you're not getting a card back by accident that hasn't been downloaded? Yeah, yeah. These, uh, these are great questions. Um, I you may you may cringe at this but like basically the 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 editor is downloading them to some kind of shared drive this is as far as i understand the workflow in the back room um when i shoot most of the time when i shoot concerts in general i will just go and i will shoot fill up uh, maybe maybe fill up a couple not fill up a couple cards but i'll 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 spread four ca- cards out over two cameras mm. because the one the bodies that I'm using right now are single card slots. The Z6 only has a single card slot. It is the XQD. I have not had any problems with it, and in fact, I'm not really even thinking about that when I'm on a shoot because I am shooting two bodies. 
simultaneously. Mm. And God forbid something were to happen, the very minuscule chance that something would happen, I would have some images. And that's the scenario that I'm in. But on the iHeart shoots, they will back it up. They will, they will, it will be downloaded to a shared drive that, from what I understand, is being simultaneously backed up to a server in the room. And, um, and, and the editor is looking at the images in real time. So mm. they'll see that, that a card is not corrupt or that they've pulled everything in. And then, you know, by the time, basically I will cycle the cards all the way through before I start reformatting over cards that have come back to me to right. just allow a moment in case there was a problem. But in all the years that I've been doing it, I haven't had a problem. Mm. Um, so I have to just believe that it's being backed up and done. And when I reformat them, you know, so be it. I lost, I don't think I've lost even a card in all of these years in that yeah. with this process running. But that so workflow that is, is crucial, isn't it, Brian? It's just like, oh, uh, yeah. you can't. And, and I, I know because I've had photographers say I accidentally formatted a card it hadn't been downloaded. So I think having those systems in place, whatever works for you, uh, you know, I've got two little uh, wallets that I have. One is red, one is green. Green means right. go, that, that, that they're ready to go. Red it's is best, don't, yeah. don't format these cards. They haven't been downloaded right. yet. That's just a really simple system, but it, it, it works when, you know, um, and it make, it, I, I always tell my, the first thing I say to my assistants is don't touch these cards. Right. Okay. Yeah. Great. So uh, just touching on uh, settings when you're doing these concerts. So you're shooting on the, the, the mirrorless, the new Nikon yes. mirrorless, right? So yes. um, basically generic concert. What are you cranking up your ISO? Do you like to shoot wide open? Uh, what's your go-to shutter yeah. speed? If there's an average, a good starting point for people who maybe want to have a crack at this. You don't want to, the, the sweet spot for me is, one four hundredth or one five hundredth of a second. Uh -huh. um, once you start getting above that, you're going to start to see certain piece artifacts and flickers coming off of either the lighting uh -huh. or the LED screens because everything is either LED screens or LED lighting. Right. And once you really get your shutter speed up above that range without you even realizing it, you're coming back with unusable images right. um, because there's like, it is almost looks like striping. We've all seen like banding. Yes. It's, 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 it's like, a, it's like a banding, even though I don't think technically it would be the same thing, but it is, it is, it is a conflict of the lights and your shutter speed. So I usually shoot some of the lenses I shoot are F4. So the two lenses that there's a few lenses that I shoot, but mostly I am shooting a 24 to 120 F4. Yeah. And I'm shooting a 300 F4, which Nikon makes a like a two pound 300 F4 lens, which is fantastic. Wow. Um, and so a lot of times I don't shoot at 80 to 200, believe it or not. I, yeah. I, I just I, I will shoot the 24 to 120. And then to get those tight shots that I talked about earlier, I will take out that I'll use the 300. So I will basically now back out the ISO setting. So if I'm at F4 and I'm making exposures at about 100, uh, 1 400th or 1 500th of a second, the third factor will be is what is my exposure going to be in terms of the ISO. Right. Usually it lands at about 3,200. Yeah. You know, most of the concerts that I shoot are 
in the range of 1600 to 6400. Right. And so one of the cool things that the some of the Nikon S series has the 24 to 70 which isn't really the concert lens that I use because it I like the extra reach. You can program there's a third ring on that lens. It's super cool. It's right flush up against the mount and you can program that lens that ring to control various settings. I can I program it to control ISO. Wow. So literally I will play with the ISO setting on that third ring to get the exposure that I need without having to dial it in That's on handy. one of them. And, That's very yeah, cool. It's right. very cool. And even the new 70 to 200, there's a delay on it. I did order it. It has that too. So, so I can set that to ISO and use that. Because again, you, you, if you start hitting a thousandth of a second and you're not really looking at the back of your camera, you're, you're looking at unusable images because yes. of the flicker rate and also your screens. Like, it's it's such a pain in the butt. I I there's a there's a amazing Christian church that I photograph here. They're amazing, and I I am there all the time. I was there over the weekend. I've got to bring my shutter down to like a sixtieth of a second because of to smooth out the images behind. If there's a pastor or some when they sing, they have the lyrics on the bottom of the screen and they yeah. have these screens on the side. I've got to come all the way down, and it's it's terrible. But that's what I have to do, in order to to make a a presentable image. So maybe it's not a sixtieth, maybe it's a hundredth, maybe yeah. it's a hundred sixtieth. I don't necessarily know the science of it, yeah. but that is a factor. So you've got to be looking at the back of your screen and just make sure you're in comfort land, in in, in that because you again like especially if you're shooting like the, like this is a pretty big church There's a couple thousand people in, in the church state of the art and they have like gorgeous screens up in the you know like you would have an iMagging screen at a concert so i will compose an image where there's someone on stage and you can see the screen in the background you still want that screen to look real you don't yes. want it to look you know crazy and you know blotchy or liney or whatever it is i'm looking for that so that typically means you've got to bring your shutter speed way down so it's important to look for that and it's important to, you know, just keep, luckily we have the tools to do that. Yeah. The Z, you know, has the electronic viewfinder. So I don't have to then, I don't have to take my eyes off of the viewfinder to look and do a playback function. Yes. Yeah. I could do it right in the viewfinder. I like the Z a lot because I've never used an electronic viewfinder. I do love the edge to edge focus that the mirrorless gives you. And I do love dialing in and seeing your your not only your white balance but also your exposure in real time it is because lovely. it does it's it's unbelievable because it's like especially at a concert where the lighting will change in the in a second mm. you can at least get closer with a couple of flicks of whether it's your aperture or your shutter speed or whatever it is to to change your exposure whereas if you're shooting DSLR you're definitely guessing at that yes and certainly when I'm when I'm shooting to for it somebody to from sight unseen, my images go out sight unseen and they go to the editor sight unseen. I gotta be looking, you know, they're not gonna ask me back if my if, if I'm overexposed or I'm underexposed yeah. for an entire set. Yes. You know, or even if or even a or even a series of, of a performer. So here is where for me the upgrade to the mirrorless was was a helps me make better pictures. It helps me do my job better in an environment where I'm not even like I, when I, you know, when I first see my pictures is if I go to Instagram and I'll do it on a break 
on an iHeart concert and I'll be like, oh, they like that one. And it's a picture of, of Justin Timberlake or right. yeah. recently Taylor Swift. Like Z100 put out – the first picture that they put out from Jingle Ball was one of my pictures. There's, ultra, there's more than one photographer there. There's Getty. There's three – there's three um, iHeart freelancers of which I'm one. So there's competition too. Like I want to get, I want my pictures to be the best in camera, so they stand the best chance of beating somebody else's pictures to Instagram or to Facebook. And so that those the Z6 or any mirrorless has helped me do that because I'm getting it right in camera. Well, that's a good reason to, to, to get one if you're doing this sort of photography and it also takes all the pressure off you having to wonder it's like, you know, or relying on the assistants telling you, yeah, 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 everything looks great. You know, you've great, got the shot. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, man. That's so, it's terrible. I do that too. I'm like, I'll text my editors, everything looking all right? Yeah, everything man, all right, everything all right. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we still stress. Um, oh, oh my God, Brian, I could chat to you for hours. I've got one more question that I yeah. uh, want to ask you, but I definitely want to get you back on the show another oh, time because it's like I feel like I've only sort of uh, just scraped the tip of the iceberg. There is a shot on your website which is a huge group shot, and I think it's one of your corporate images. Yeah, and it was taken at the. I think it's the Lincoln Memorial. Am I correct? But that, yes. That, yes. Okay. Yes, so, is. how many people are in that shot, and can you walk us through the planning and execution of this portrait? Oh, because I'm guessing three or five hundred people, but I've made that up. I can't count them. So, you could probably tell me how many in uh, that shot. I, think I, 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 it's that is a good question on the amount. It's, it's definitely at least five hundred. Right. I can tell you. Um, we went to the, that is, the company, that company that I was shooting for is literally Lincoln International. Right. So, and there, and, 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 and it was a conference in Washington, DC. So they came up with the idea of let's literally bus everyone out to the Lincoln Memorial. Yeah. Um, we had permission from the Memorial. Um, and, uh, is it a, yeah, Lincoln Memorial, uh, or Lincoln Monument. I, I don't want to, I don't want to mess that up, but, um, uh, Basically, there's some trickery in that picture. There's a little bit of trickery. We were able to ask people to move, okay? Uh However, not everybody moved. So um, I am standing on a ladder. Right. um, Really, really big ladder with my... 14 to 30 or whatever it was that I was using at the time. How tall do you think the ladder is? How high above the group do you think you are? So it's not a cherry picker because it looks like a cherry picker to me. It is. I wish I had, I wish I had a cherry picker. In fact, jokingly, I I told the client that was what we needed. And they're like, yeah, that's not going to happen at the (laughs) 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 I mean, it was funny because it's like, no, that's really what I'm going to need. No, you're going to get a ladder. I don't, whatever the ladders go up to, is it like maybe eight and eight foot? 12, okay. 10 feet? Yeah. Whatever, com, whatever like consumer ladder the tallest is. And so, and we had like a mere minutes to do it. Yeah. So I put my, uh, luckily the, the light was good. Um, I did not have any, any external flash at all. They wouldn't let me put anything down. Yeah. I didn't. Plus, if you think about it, I would have had to get that flash really, really high yeah. to make it to, to, to prevent 
any kind of real hot spot. Like yeah. there was no real way for me to evenly light that mm. from the ground. So basically I put my flash on the widest setting. I over, I, I, I put my, 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 it was probably an, uh, an SB 900, like whatever your Nikon flash is. I put it on full power at the widest setting yep. and, and determine, you know, I went like, it's like, you know, they say, you know, I went up and I got an ambient exposure, which I had already been on the ground just playing with, Yes. you know, you, could, you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, you just want to get it close and then made sure I had like as fresh batteries in that, <laughs> in that flash as I possibly could yeah. because I knew like, okay, I can, I can take a shot every, you know, couple of seconds as long as I can bang out, Let's say five frames of so you this. You want a tripod? No, I'm handheld. You're handheld. Okay. Handheld on this ladder. In fact, I probably right. have a picture of me on this ladder. Yeah. And like the client, you know, again, this isn't a corporate, you know, this is not an annual report, but like the clients, here's the cool thing. Like if your client's expectations are managed and in check, then it's like you can say to them, look, guys, I'm going to do the best that I can. Yeah. And, 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 and that's exactly what happens. So, you know, we got the shot. I shot. I could look at my settings, but it's pretty average settings. Um, and then, yeah, I definitely did a little bit of Lightroom work on it to just probably open up the shadows, yeah. to, um, to burn in the highlights. And then I did actually, per the request of the client, I did send the image out to have um, the the erroneous people removed from the image. Right. So there was no way, unless they were going to buy out the, that that spot to get everybody out of the to get the public out of that. Oh, frame. so how? So okay, so there were there were other because I thought, oh my god, they they closed down the venue just for you. So oh. you did get those retouched out. So yeah, in the in the planning and and um, positioning everyone, have you got other people on the ground doing that for you? So everyone's yes. bust in and and you just bring them all in one row at a time, pretty much? Um, yes. Uh, it, it, it was miraculous how this went. Mm -hmm. I, it was literally, and my client and I, who's you know now uh, like really a friend of mine too, we've been working together for so long, we still sort of clink glasses over this one because- It's huge. It really, it really could, it, it could have just been a complete failure, you know, un, you know, without us really making it a failure, like it could have just been a disaster. Yeah. Plus even just me not being able to time it, you know, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, there were clouds in the sky, thank God. Yes. Um, you know, like there's, there was so much of that. Everything went your like, way, didn't it? <laughs> everything went our way. Everything went, went our way. The ladder arrived when we needed to, the yeah. buses arrived when we needed it to. Like it was, it was almost like we literally were laughing about just how great it went, given how disastrous it could have been. How many frames did you take? Sorry, Brian. How many frames um, did you take? So up there, and what are you saying to everyone to get their attention? Because it's like a group like that. I imagine after two frames, they're going to start breaking. So how do you keep them in position and uh, hold that authority and and control a group like that? What are you saying? Okay. Your first thing you're going to do is start probably just taking um, frames that you know you're not going to use just to fire the flash and to make people pay attention to you. Right. Because you're, you're going to lose your first couple of frames because yes. you want people to feel like, I don't want to be this jerk who's not looking. I'm, I don't want to look like an idiot next to all these people. So. Yeah. 
you, 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 you sort of need to just like get their attention right away. So your first few frames are definitely throwaways. There's no doubt. Um, and, and in this particular instance, the leadership I remember was in a prime, like we had, I think we had one, we might've had one bullhorn. I can't even, I, I really can't even remember, um, yeah. at the moment, but, but the leadership, like they, everyone was well prepared for this picture to take place. Yeah. Like they knew about it, they knew it was going to happen and they knew that it was, that it was important to, to get it right. So I think it was kind of like everyone was just on their best behavior. Right. So you, you know, didn't I mean, need to just uh, coax them into staying in place. But was there was there an initial briefing of the group that where you say, okay, hey, I'm the photographer, here I am, uh, I'm going to take this many frames. Was there any of that or did you just uh, leave nope, that to the organizers? Got, I literally just got up there and, and, shot. One, and shot. And I probably before – Maybe before I started making those, you know, throwaways, I, I, if I remember correctly, I probably just, you know, because you've got to see, you do have to see the symmetry from that angle, obviously. Mm. And we got pretty good, you know, we, we got pretty good symmetry, mm. obviously. Mm. You know, I mean, it looks, you know, um, it, it just, it's so funny. It literally just, it just kind of worked out. No, I probably just like, like almost like you would posing a group. I, I probably you know, just, just waved a couple people to get a little tighter to the middle and boom. And, and, and there you go. I mean, we, we didn't have as much as we went out of way to make the photo. I remember us not having such high, high, high expectations that it was going to be perfect. And so when it did come out as well as it did, I know that, um, that my client and myself more, my client, which is fine because she's the one who hires me look like a hero. <laughs> yeah, of course. And just one more question on that shot. There's a yeah. plane flying overhead. Yeah, is that in camera? Yeah. yeah, that's in camera. Oh I didn't my touch God. That. You could like, yeah. did the client plan that? It was just a happy accident, oh, but did you see that? Yeah. It was, was happening. Um, no, I didn't see it when it was <laughs> happening. You made me, all right, hold on. I'm going to give you facts because you made me pull up the shoot as we're on the phone. Yeah. Okay. I took a total of okay I the first the first frame that I took from the ground was at 552 and then literally at 556 so less than 3 minutes so 3 minutes later I made that shot and, that's and in between all you get. and that was it and 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 the and the sh- the amount of photos that I took for real was 13 yeah, that's all you get in those situations. It's, it's not this lazy hour that you can, you know, talk to people. It happens so quickly. But again, you yes. mentioned this earlier in the interview. Everything that you've done until this moment has led you to this uh, group shot. And so all the practice, all the concerts, all the – because – if you were a new photographer, standing up in front of 500 people for anyone would be nerve-wracking. So you've already got the nerves in check because you got that out of the way uh, doing those yeah, big names never earlier. Never so, even in it. Never exactly. even Exactly. So, and that's so important to um, stay calm in these situations. And I say to a lot of my students, the more you do this, uh, this, this magical thing that happens, time stops. 
when you're doing yeah. a shoot. And a three-minute yeah. shoot, I guess when you're up there, when you've been doing it for a long time, it feels like you've got an hour. You feel like you can check your settings. You feel like you can stop the shoot, take a second to check that everyone is in focus, um, and then you can keep shooting. Is that the same experience for you? Do you feel like the yeah. magical time stops, slows down? Yeah, I think that... My wife has to remind me, and I say this very humbly because sometimes I don't feel like what I'm doing is is hard. Yeah. And and it's and I and it, in other words, it feels I may be nervous. Don't get mm. me wrong, I may be nervous. Yeah. But I don't feel like maybe like this particular shot didn't feel that hard to me. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Doesn't mean I wasn't nervous, but like the execution of it, I already knew about ninety percent of what I needed to do before I got up on that ladder. Yeah. So I mean, maybe our our next conversation should definitely talk about preparedness yes. of a shoot because that is like a huge part for me going into certainly my concert shoots. But I, I you're right. Everything like say, I've stood on stage at Madison Square Garden. You know, yeah. what I mean, like I've literally been on stage. I, I've been I've been on TV before because yeah. I've been on stage, you know, yeah. like accidentally. And it, it, it's, it, it doesn't even phase me at all. So yeah. but maybe at one point it, it certainly it certainly did. I mean, it, it, I, you know, I, I'm looking at the frame. I'm looking. I, I feel like you spent a lot enough time for me to for me to tell you how what I did on this frame. And it might surprise you. It might surprise you because it almost surprises me. Um, I shot this at, it was ISO 800. Mm. Um, it was with a 14 millimeter fixed lens. It was, the camera was a Nikon D750, which is what I was shooting with at the time. Yeah. And I did shoot it at, it was shot at F8 at one two fiftieth of a second yeah. with my flash gun. That's the old world way of saying it with my on-camera flash at full power. Yeah. And I did go in. And luckily, I had enough highlight and shadow to go in and make it look like it does now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would love to have lit it more. I mean, I yeah. would absolutely would have loved to bring in like big strobes or whatever it was. But sometimes you've got to you also got to make that decision like because that could really screw it up. Like if you don't go if you only like and again, going back to I want to go back to my first frame was shot at 556.18, and then the, the frame that you're looking at was shot 32 seconds later. Yeah. I shot for 40 seconds. So all that work and the transportation and the permit that we had to get, <laughs> I was there for 40 seconds. Yeah. So if I had not been able to make, like if I had, you know, like sometimes they say, keep, keep it simple, stupid. Yes. Like this was not an Amex, you know, ad. This was not a magazine ad. It didn't need to be a magazine ad. Obviously, I want it to look like a magazine ad, but like I didn't need to go and bring in these huge strobes and give my, let's say one strobe, one side doesn't fire. Let's say yes. one side doesn't fire. And now, now my plan has to go to ambient light, but I wasn't set up for ambient light. You know, like sometimes you got, like here I was just like, you know what, from that distance and that spread, if I get enough, a little bit of fill flash on all those people, and I have a little bit of a an, of an adjustment brush in in Lightroom. I'm gonna make a good picture, yeah. and that's probably why I was wasn't that bummed. I wasn't that nervous about it. Yeah. 
Fantastic. And that's, you know, all great advice, uh, everything today, uh, Brian. I've, I've uh, really loved chatting with you. You've been so generous too with your advice and definitely let's get you back on the show. So um, if people want to check out your uh, amazing work, where can they find you? Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't mention it in, in, the, uh, in the interview. We got so heavy on it. Um, Instagram is really a great way to get to me because you can DM me. Yeah. And I look at my DMs. And I love to help people. Yeah. So, so whether it's something technical, if you have a question, if you're looking for inspiration or advice, like I love that fulfills me more than you even know. So that, so I'm B freed photo. I'll spell it B F R E E D photo, B freed photo on Instagram. Um, and my website, um, I'm actually doing a little bit of a redesign. I'm still obviously, you know, We'll give you the address, but I'm doing a redesign and I'm going to be adding um, some new elements because I am going to start actually coaching and mentoring and uh, which is something that I've wanted to do for a while. And in fact, in a few weeks, I am recording my first concert photography masterclass, which I've never done before. And that will be available on my website in, you know, I would say two or three months from now because I'm a perfectionist and I'm going to have to make sure it's perfect. Um, but, uh, that is B hyphen freed, F R E E D.com. So it's B dash freed, F R E E D.com. And, uh, what, either of those two ways, but Instagram, if you want to interact with me, hit me up on Instagram. I will, I'm definitely going to be, um, you know, willing to, and, and, and happy to respond to, uh, any questions or comments. Sensational. I'll uh, put all those uh, links in the show notes to uh, Brian so that people can access those easily. Uh, thank you so much. It's been great chatting to you and I just wish you uh, continued success. Thank you so much, Gina. It was really a pleasure. I'm glad that this worked out. This podcast is brought to you by the Gold Community. I love helping the members of the Gold community. They're amazing photographers, and I love seeing them take their photography to the next level. Here's what Nasa Walla had to say. So my photography has gone from me doing things as favors to now going out of that comfort zone. You know, I have my own kind of day job, but what this has allowed me to do is really just start building something professionally. Over the last few months since I've joined, I've had people reach out to me, have me come do shoots for them. So it's really been incredible, just giving me that confidence, knowing that I have those kind of resources to go back to, and then knowing once I've finished with the shoot, being able to then even get more information back from the community on how I could improve next time. I just feel like really the most valuable thing is having access just to all the resources and tutorials online. But more than that, it's having that more live and interactive touch points yourself with the gold community and really get instant feedback. I mean, I I love that about the community. People are always willing to just share their experiences. It has really just ignited my passion for photography. If you'd like to find out more about the gold community, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. Oh, wow. Brian Friedman. Okay, so you can check him out. His website is b-freed, 
Um, and check him out on Instagram at Be Freed Photo. Some awesome shots in there. Yes, and what super. great insight into yeah. his work and his thought process. Um, I love, you know, listening to all of these fantastic yeah. photographers. Amazing. Chapters. Thank you so much, Brian. Yeah, brilliant. All right. So what are you doing coming up, Gina? So I have a big cast shoot to do. So that is going to keep me very busy for probably the rest of the year, turning out those images. And, Mm. um, yeah, and it's also like pretty much party season. So, And you know what? Mm. COVID has made me social again. How? (laughs) Because it made me the opposite. Because it it locked me up for so long and I just miss everyone. I just like really appreciate – these all the small things that I've talked about, like you know, I keep saying every day is like Christmas. It is when it's all been taken away, and you know, I spent most of that 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 time on my own. Um, mm. It's just like you really appreciate seeing friends, you know, and spending time in going to restaurants. And we did get a bit jaded, and I don't think we appreciated yeah. just how lucky all these uh, little luxuries were. So you know, I'm just very grateful to be able to do that Val and and really enjoying wow. it yeah I've just gone the opposite COVID made me really like being at home alone <laughs> you didn't get locked up though like we did you know because I, I did not. the first time I was happy I I was like I said oh this is great it's good to have a break it's good to have some me time mm. and but mm. you know that was fine the first time the second time no, it wasn't great for anyone's mental health. I think everyone mm. I knew really struggled. And so it's just lovely to see, you know, and just how grateful the people who run restaurants are, you know, because mm, what a struggle for them. True. And they're so grateful to see you there. And I yes. think that's what it's given us. It's just made us appreciate what we have. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, uh, onward then. Yes. Where do we find you online, Gina? So ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm on all social media at Gina Militia. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, then do check out the Gold Community. You can find that at ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo. That's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.